As we were just singing of God's power and glory and might, to consider all of His glory and might and power, there are times that I wonder why, why does God not use his, his power to make all believe? As we look at this passage, we'll, we'll see that he doesn't. And we'll see that most choose not to. But his glory and, and power are beyond my reasoning and uh, above and beyond our ability to, to understand. And, and as we see in this, our passage today in John chapter 7, that that Jesus plays to, to mixed reviews. Yeah, that, that some choose to believe and to follow, and many don't. I invite you to, to turn with me to John chapter 7, uh, starting with verse 37. It's found on page 869 in your pew Bible, or uh, you can follow along in the, uh, on, on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, again we give you thanks for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth, of the life that you bring, of your love, your beauty, and your power. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would again open our, our very souls to receive from you the, the depth of your truth, that you would feed us Nourish us, strengthen, deepen our faith in you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. John chapter 7, starting with verse 37. Hear the word of the Lord. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit which believers in him were to receive. For as yet there was no spirit because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some in the crowd said, This is really the prophet. Others said, This is the Messiah. But some asked, Surely the Messiah does not come from Galilee, does he? Has not the scriptures said that the Messiah is descended from David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David lived? So there was a division in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Then the temple police went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, why did you not arrest him? The police answered, Never has anyone spoken like this. Then the Pharisees replied, Surely you have not been deceived too, have you? Has any one of the authorities or of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd, which does not know the law, they are accursed. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of them, asked, 
Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? They replied, Surely you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and you will see that no prophet is to arrive, arise from Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, the, the main reason that, that I don't get why, why more don't believe and, and follow Jesus is, is what he teaches right in the, the beginning of the passage that we read. That, that he brings life, that out of him flow streams of living water. And I've, I've tasted that water. I tasted it even this morning just to, to, to humble myself before God, to, to receive His forgiveness. Even just a, a word from Him this morning of a particular person and how best to serve them. And just to be amazed at the living waters that flow from Him. And, and I wonder why more don't hear Receive and taste of that those living waters. Interesting in in our passage today that we're in in a feast in, in a time of the, the feast of tabernacles, the, the feast of booths or Sukkot. It's called in in, in Hebrew. And that Jesus is there offering his, his living waters to those around him. And, and they've even seen him. They've heard the stories. You know, he's, he's fed 5,000. He's taught among them his, his truth. He's brought them freedom, joy. And even will raise others from the dead. He's brought healing. But so many keep him at, at arm's length. And, and this, you know, we only get a, a few sentences here of Jesus sort of standing up in the middle of the, the last day of the feast with all that are gathered saying, I, I am the one from which living waters will stream from me uh, to you. I want to take just a minute to set the scene here at this, this Feast of Tabernacles, the, the eighth day of the feast. Each day, this is the feast during the harvest time. Uh, they, this is the time when the uh, people of faith build uh, little uh, temporary shelters. That's why it's called the, the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles. And under these shelters, they, they do it for a number of reasons. One, they bring the harvest in. And they, they put the harvest to protect it from the elements or protect it from uh, animals uh, under, in these uh, booths. And they, they also dwell in these booths to, to remind them of their, their forebears in the faith who Moses led into the, the wilderness where they wandered in temporary dwellings until they came into the promised land. And so during this, this celebration, during this, this feast, there is a ritual as well during this time of thanking God for the rain that brought the harvest and seeking God to bring rain, to bring the, the water, which is the liqueur of life, if you're a farmer, and you you gotta have water if you're gonna farm, and this is in the fall, which in that time was a very dry season. So there there would be thirst from the land and from the people, from their work, and thirst for rain to come. And in the midst of that time, there also was a daily ritual for those seven days that they would go to the the, the, the springs of Gishon, 
And there they would take water in the golden pitcher, the priest would, and, and they would come up from the, the springs into the temple with water in, the, in their pitcher and then pouring it into the temple and out of the temple all the while proclaiming Isaiah 12.3 With joy you will draw waters from the wells of salvation. Hearkening back through all of those, each of those days to Ezekiel 47 and Zechariah 14 and Joel and other quotes from Isaiah. Ezekiel 47, if you want to go and look at that one later, tells the, the picture of the water flowing out of the temple. 47.9 Wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. Once these waters reach there, it will become fresh and everything will live where the river goes. I mean, these passages would be recited during that time and anybody that was there would, would know them. They would be like John 3.16 to many Christians today. There would be connections to Moses in, in Exodus 17 where he... The brought, where God through Moses brought water out of the rock to the people who were thirsting in their wandering. On the eighth day of the feast, there was not the, the ritual of the golden pitcher and bringing it into the temple and water flowing from the temple, which would signify water flowing from God. And, and so about that time in the feast, we surmise that Jesus then stood up and said these words. Come to me if you're thirsty. Out of me will flow living waters that will flow to you. I mean, it wasn't just a nice metaphor of thirst and the thirst of our soul. Jesus and everyone there would have understood was standing in the place of God, standing in the place of the temple, saying... Water of life that flows from God flows from me. Paul, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, knew the same in chapter 10, verse 1. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Jesus replaces that ritual in the Feast of Tabernacles with Himself. He is claiming to be God. He's claiming to be the Lord and claiming to be the one who offers life and the one who is calling all who would hear to follow. What a message, what a powerful illustration that everyone, as they were thirsting, would have gathered and wanting to hear Jesus. But what we see after this sermon that's perfectly illustrated in the perfect time was division among the people. Maybe he's the prophet, maybe he's the Messiah. So they wanted to to argue exactly who he was. And then others were like, no, 
he's from Galilee. Is that quite right? There's a... So that they were arguing among themselves, divided among themselves as the crowd, and yet there was God right in their midst offering them water that never runs dry. There's a, a video on YouTube. If you, uh, if you don't know how to do it, get your grandchildren to help you. <laughs> Children. And get on YouTube and just hit the money tree. And it's a gal in Chicago that took a hundred one dollar bills and clipped them to a tree right next to a sidewalk. Busy, busy street, people walking up and down the street. Clipped a hundred dollars and put little notes on them. Little notes like, today is your lucky day, enjoy. Or just consider it a lucky penny times a hundred. And then filmed what happened as people walked by. She, she shares in, in the video that what she expected was eventually, quickly, people would gather and they'd be climbing the tree, getting the money out and throwing it to one another and just having a little party. What's amazing is you watch the video and people just walk right by. A lot of them on their cell phones, not even looking up. As they walk by $100 flapping in the wind. And others just sort of look and walk by and then head on their, their way. There's a couple that will stop and then collect one and look at it and read it and smile and keep walking. Now there's one that turns out to be an evangelist. She stops, looks at it, laughs, and then she pulls to the side and starts pointing everybody over there. Go over there. And some, some, even after she encourages them, will walk by and just look at it and keep walking. It's free money. I mean, it really is money growing on trees. But for some reason... Lack of trust or paranoia or busy or just ADD, who knows? But what the person that made the film said, what amazed her more than anything else, is the number of people who walked by and didn't even stop. A number just didn't even notice. And a number walked by and looked at it but didn't see it and kept going. I thought, you know, what a great, what a powerful illustration. Again, YouTube, the the money tree, if you want to see that. Uh, Of just the way that that God can be right in front of us, literally with money growing on trees, and we miss it. And people around us miss it. There's a lot of confusion that goes on. You see in the crowd, confusion there. There's confusion with folks around us. Uh, my, my daughter was doing a, a project on the civil rights and that history class during that season. And um, uh, one of her friends was saying, hey, I'm going to do something on um, Dr. King and Gandhi on nonviolence. And she said, well, you know, you also ought to look at Jesus too because Jesus influenced them about nonviolence. And, and the girl turned to, to my daughter and said, well, you know, I'll just stick with historical figures. <laughs> you know, talk about confusion. You know, 
The, the reason I, I think it's important for us to recognize this story is to recognize even if... I mean, here's Jesus giving the perfect sermon at the perfect time. Everything's just right. And He brings on Himself division and opposition. Should we expect anything less? As we seek to be witnesses to Him? You know, that there, there will be those that are confused, those that don't notice, and then some that oppose directly. As He leads us into a deep life with Him, the fullness of life that many others won't follow. Many others, for whatever reason, will, will keep Jesus at a safe distance. They will respond defensively. I mean, if you look at the, the leaders of the day, if you look at the, the Pharisees outside of Nicodemus, they were just ready. They were using every ploy they could to ref, so that they didn't have to engage with Jesus. They, they didn't want God messing with their plans. They, they didn't want God changing the, the structures and the things that they had set up, the things that they were supposed to follow, and yet God was in their midst changing things. And only Nicodemus was at least the one to stand up and say, wait a minute, don't our rules say we should at least give everything a fair hearing? To which his fellow leader said, what are you, from Galilee too or something? You got a little invested in him or something? You're trying to increase the, your property values in Galilee? I mean, what? They wouldn't even engage with Jesus in an honest conversation. They were so opposed to him. Two things from this. One, as I've said, just to recognize, to have an expectation that as we follow Jesus, there will be some that enjoy, follow along with us. But there will be others who don't. Many who just ignore and some even who oppose. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah, there is, there's no sense in the New Testament but, but that the church was always a minority. Never did the church in the New Testament have any kind of political power they didn't even own property. First church building that probably was owned was around 200 B.C. or so, long after the New Testament had been written. And I ask a, a second thing too. For us to consider, what's the new thing Jesus has taught you lately? What's the, the new thing that Jesus has taught you? And I asked us that to get in touch in our own self with the, the Pharisee that might be in us. That tries to keep Jesus at a safe distance because I, I can tell you I'm not there. I have not arrived. And, no stepping out on a limb, but none of us have arrived. So Jesus is always at work in us, teaching us, leading us, forming us closer and closer to Him. 
What, what I appreciate Jesus teaching me today through our brothers and sisters in Christ today are those that are more charismatic than me in terms of their worship style. Never been a big dancer or clapper or hand raiser, shouter, but I'm learning from my brothers and sisters who, who do worship in that way. I've tended to dismiss them. Well, it's just emotionalism. And what they're teaching me, what Jesus is teaching me through them is say, no, it's, it's a different way of expression of worship. doesn't have to be yours, but it is theirs. And there's plenty of psalms that tell us to shout to the Lord, clap our hands to the Lord, and sing loud to the Lord. So it's even biblical as well. But that's what the Lord is teaching and working in this staid Presbyterian who's an introvert and a thinker. What's he teaching you? How's he in, in tune with, with you? With the, the, the Pharisee that's within us, the Pharisaical part within us. Because he is always moving us, teaching us to be more and more like him. So don't be surprised as we're following him that others will be divided, even oppose us. And don't be surprised when, when we even oppose Jesus as he goes deeper and deeper in us, helping to break loose the Pharisee within us. Let's keep our eyes open because you never know. It just may happen. Money might really grow on trees. Amen.